pasture. And over and over and again, what happened is the people like forgot God, forgot all that he'd done on their behalf. And they would wander their own way, and then they would go chase idols, and then God would bring about calamity for them. They'd be taken over by a nation or made subject to slaves or, or, or carried off. Um, and over and over again, it happens in the Old Testament. And over and over again, the people remember. God brings about a remembrance, and the people repent and say, Lord, where are you? Show us your mercy. And over and over again, God, in his mercy and grace, he shows them mercy over and over again. But, but the problem is, is the Old Covenant was flawed. The old covenant was flawed because the covenant was based on their, God's people being able to remain faithful, and they couldn't. They couldn't do it. Their hearts were broken and deceitful. Their hearts were wicked. Sound familiar? Yes. You and I, our hearts are wicked. Our hearts are deceitful. We are not able to be faithful to God just like the Israelites were not able to be faithful with God. But in the midst of, kind of in the middle of your Old, of your old Testament and a prophet uh, Jeremiah is writing about the restoration of Israel. He's writing about a time that God would restore them and would bring them back to himself. And I don't mean to restore them like as a powerful people. I mean restore the relationship that was broken between him and them that they broke because they continued to chase idols. So in the prophet Jeremiah, he talks about a change that God would bring about in his people. That be- even despite all their faithlessness, that God would make a change in their broken hearts and change them as, as, as people, and, and change them as people. It's a beautiful picture and a beautiful thing that I can only imagine what the Israelites read that and thought. And, you know, looking back on their own history and seeing that, you know, we tried and we made commitments and we failed and we were faithless and we failed and we, 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 we you, know, you know, all the time we, could, we didn't have the follow-through, we didn't have the faithfulness. But God said through the prophet Jeremiah, a day is coming. Amen, a day is coming. We're going to read that this morning in Hebrews if you have your Bibles open, if you would turn to uh, Hebrews chapter 8, there's this great promise that's um, in the Old Testament about a day that would happen, a day that would come that God would change their broken hearts and give them a heart where they were able to follow and be faithful to God. Woo, amen. Okay, uh, <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 8, we're going to read quickly through verse 6 and then uh, 3 through 6, and then we'll pick up in verse 7 and continue to read about this Old Testament prophecy that was just a beautiful prophecy of, of a different way, a different thing that was coming and changing men's hearts. Okay, uh, Hebrews chapter 8, verse 3. The high priest is appointed to offer both sac- gifts and sacrifices, and so it was necessary for this one, that he's talking about Jesus Christ now, for this one also to have something to offer. What did Jesus Christ have to offer? Himself, He was the priest who came and offered his own body uh, on behalf, and he didn't bring in an innocent animal's blood or body. He brought his own. If he were, which was the perfect and better sacrifice in the end of sacrificial system. Okay. If he were on earth, he would not be a priest, for there are already men who offer gifts prescribed by the law. Why is that? Why would Jesus not have been a priest? From the tribe of Judah. Who got to be priests? People from the tribe of Levi. So Jesus in his human nature would not have been a priest, right? But he was a priest appointed by God. They were at a sanctuary that is a copy and shadow of what is in heaven. This is why Moses was warned when he was about to build the tabernacle, see to it that you make everything according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. All right, so what happened? Moses received the pattern or the blueprints essentially for the tabernacle, and it was a shadow or a uh, a reflection of what the heavenly tabernacle should look like. And so that's why he was told to do it very carefully because he wasn't making just any tabernacle as God invented it. He was making a reflection or a shadow of the, of the tabernacle in heaven. But, verse 6, but the ministry Jesus is, has received is a superior, there's that word again, to theirs 
uh, as the covenant of which he is the mediator is superior to the old one, and it is founded on better promises. Okay, I always like a better deal. You like a better deal? Yeah. Here's the better deal. We're going to read about it here in just a moment. You remember the old covenant didn't work so well, and it'll talk about that here in verse 7. For if there had been nothing wrong with the first covenant, no place would have been sought for another. What's he saying? If there was nothing wrong with the Old Testament and the old covenant and the old law, if nothing was wrong with the priesthood and the sacrificial system, then God would have said, good enough. But there was a problem, and what was it? People couldn't be faithful. Their hearts were broken. They couldn't remain faithful to God. But God found fault with what? The people. Was there anything wrong with the sacrificial system? Was there anything wrong with the high priesthood? Was there anything wrong with the Old Testament law? No. People couldn't do it. Hearts broken, deceitful, black, sinful. Okay. The time is coming. I love this. Okay. Here's there where he's starting to pr- quote directly from Jeremiah chapter 31. And he's quoting this beautiful uh, uh, time in Old Testament in, in Jewish history where the prophet Jeremiah says, you're being punished for your sins. You're being punished because you couldn't be faithful to God, but a time is coming. There's going to be a change and the change is going to be brought about by God and the change is going to happen in your hearts. You will be a different people, all right? Ooh, pretty powerful stuff, isn't it? Okay, the time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. It will not be like the old covenant I made with their forefathers when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they did not remain, what? Faithful to my covenant, and I turned away from them. Ooh, that's powerful stuff, declares the Lord. Okay, so they could not remain faithful uh, to my covenant. They could not do their end of the bargain. They couldn't uphold their end of the bargain. And so God is going to make a new covenant. Okay. Verse 10. Here we go. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. Okay, listen. Here's the great promise. Here's the great change. I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, because they will all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, for I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. All God's people said, Amen. Okay, that's good. Yeah, you're a little slow, but follow me. All right, keep up. By calling this covenant new, he has made the first one obsolete. And what is absolute? Abs- absolute. Obsolete. I should have practiced or something. And aging will soon disappear. Amen. Okay, here's the great thing. Is it right in the middle there of verse 10, he says, I will put my law in their minds and I will write them on their hearts. The law that was given to Moses, the Mosaic law, right, we refer to it too. I don't know why we've got to make it all sound so theological and, you know, smart, but we do. The Mosaic law was written on what? Stone tablets, right, and which was external to people. God says, there's a time I'm going to write it on their minds and on their hearts. Let me tell you that's significant when he talks about that. That means that the law would no longer be outside of men. It would no longer be external. It would no longer be a list of rules that people had to follow but he would write it on their minds and hearts. The mind, right, was, was the center of, of thought. The mind is the center of, of everything that we act on. And God says, I'm going to write my law on their minds. In other words, he's going to say the things that I want them to do, they're going, it will become internal to them. It will become their own thoughts. It will become their own mind. It will become their own view of how things ought to be. And then he says, and I will write it on their hearts. The heart is, is the, the center of the will. It's where emotion and, and desire and the will comes from, even in the Greek and Old Testament, right? And so what he's saying is the things that I've always wanted them to do, the things that I've written in rules and in laws and in commandments, 
they're going to want to do internally themselves. Listen, do you hear what he's saying? He's saying, I'm going to change people from the inside out. Amen? That is the hope of restoration that's given there in Jeremiah chapter 31, is that they have been faithless and they haven't been able to keep my law, but I'm going to change them. And from, now, from at that point, on that day, they will be a changed people because my laws would be internal to them. It would change the way they think. It would change the way they feel. It would change their desires. And listen, everything that God desired his people to do, they would begin to desire to do themselves. Amen? All right. Okay. Um, and not only that, but here there's a really important part here that I don't mean to miss. Not only that, he would, he would, uh, he would write the, our, his law on our hearts and somehow... Following God's law would be his people, if it's in their hearts, it's part of their desire. Following his law would be part of their desire, their want, their will, and their delight, their joy, right? No longer, you know, everyone looks at rules and uh, regulations and says, right, that's no fun, right? Rules are made to be broken, right? But he says there's going to be a change in people's heart because my will will be in their hearts, my commands, my law will be in their hearts, and it will give them joy and delight to follow it because he's writing it on our hearts, all right? Now, the, here's a great thing. He, and the writer of Hebrews says, this has been fulfilled. This is now fulfilled. Jesus Christ has brought about that, oh, that, that new covenant, that, that idea of restoration. The writer of Hebrews says, it's happened. Jesus Christ has brought it about. There is now a new covenant between God and man, and it is written and mediated by Jesus Christ. And now, your heart and my heart and your mind and my mind, he is writing his law in our hearts that it might be our delight, that what God wanted all along from his people of the Israelites might be something that we desire to do and act on ourselves. All right? Okay, let me continue here for just a moment. Let me tell you, we've all struggled with this idea, amen? We've all struggled with this idea. You know, you've struggled with sin, and you can't figure it out. You're just trying to work on the sin externally, trying to, you know what, I'm going to do that. I'm going to set these boundaries for myself. For myself. I'm going to set this rule up, and I'm not going to follow that sin anymore. Or I'm not very good at having quiet time. I'm not good about reading in the Bible. Or when I'm in the Bible, I'm not even thinking about it, right? You've struggled with this, right? Okay, yes, all right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. If it's just me, tell me. And, you know, that's fine. Uh, yeah, th- that's fine. I'll, I'll go off and work on that. But, uh, um, but, but it's all of us, and we've all struggled with this, and we've all struggled with this idea, and we've tried to discipline ourselves out of our sin problem and out of our lack of discipline to follow and mature in the Lord Jesus Christ, right? You've all struggled this, with this. And the Band-Aid that we all try to slap on it is more discipline, right? Paul would write to the Galatians, useless. Right, okay, but anyway, uh, but, the, the, uh, but, but here, here, here's the deal. What you're doing is exactly what the, the Israelites had attempted to do for generations, and it never worked. The only hope we have is that God would change our hearts, that what he wants for us, we would begin to want ourselves. Well, discipline that out of yourself. Turn on the light switch and say, oh, okay, now, okay, today now, I am now fully God's. My heart, my life, it's all his today. It, it doesn't work, does it? It, it, we still we struggle with that, but we, and we try to, to treat it like uh, like we can discipline ourselves into out of sin or into greater um, greater uh, obedience to the Lord, and it just doesn't work that way. And the reason is is that you're just treating the symptom. The problem is much deeper. The reason you don't want to read your Bible is because you don't want God's authority over you, and you don't want His mind in your life. You want your own. That hurt, didn't it? Sorry. 
The reason you lust and the reason that you're angry and the reason that you're afraid is because you have an idolatry problem. That hurt, didn't it? It is much deeper. And honestly, here's the deal. Many of you don't even know what I'm talking about because you're not even spending time with God trying to figure out why you're broken and what he can do to help you fix it. Are you with me? Oh, that was hard. I know, this is, this is difficult stuff. But if you will spend time with God about your problem with fear, about your problem with anger, and about your problem with lust, and you pray for, with him and you ask him to show you, he will reveal the darkness of your heart and you'll begin to see why you have not been able to overcome this thing. True? Because you've been trying to treat it like it's a symptom when there's a disease below the surface that you don't want to see, that none of us wants to see. We don't ever want to think of ourselves in those terms, but that's who we are, which means that God is even greater, has a greater salvation for us and greater grace for us than we ever knew because we're darker and, and have a deeper sin problem than we ever realized. And then at the same time, he gave his life for us, knowing full well how, um, what's the word, dark, deep, our sin problem was. True? Okay. Um, but here's the good news. God knew our weakness and provided a way for us to be changed. Amen? Okay, now, really, I know we're a bunch of uh, mostly uh, uptight white folk, but this is the point we should all stand to our feet and jump up and down. Listen, God has made a way for us to be changed. Have you been frustrated at your lack of spiritual growth? God has made a way for you to be changed. Have you been frustrated in your ability to overcome sin? God has made a way for your heart to be changed. Have you been frustrated because you can't seem to, to, to pull together enough discipline for yourself to be in the Bible every day? God has made a way for your heart to be changed. Sorry? His love endures forever and he is compassionate. That's right. It is a beautiful, beautiful thing revealed all throughout here. And it, and it says here in Hebrews chapter 8, which is a quotation from Jeremiah chapter 31, that God says here, he'll change our hearts. What could we say? But Lord, change my heart, right? When you struggle with sin, don't, don't, don't say, you know what, I'm going to put these things in order. I'm going to give myself better boundaries and stuff. You know what? That's not going to work. It never did. It never worked. The people of Israel could never be faithful. They proved it for generations. What makes you think you're so much smarter, right? We're not. You know, they had the benefit. They had priests, and they had prophets, and they had leaders, some godly, some not. They had godly leaders. They couldn't do it. What do you have? We have no hope of doing it on our own. We have no hope of disciplining ourselves. Let me tell you how this works. Are you ready for the great secret of sanctification? It's this. It's confession, and it's repentance, and it's meditating on the Word of God and allowing it, listen, not just for you to read it, but for it to read you. You read it, and you look at it, and you study it, and you say, wow, this says I'm supposed to bear with my brother. Why do I have so much problem bearing with people? Lord, why do I have so much problem bearing with people? I confess to you, I have a problem bearing with these people. They drive me nuts. What's wrong with my heart that I can't bear with them? Or you look, and Jesus talks about lust, and he says, you know what? You look on a woman lustfully, you've committed adultery. Lord, I, I, you know, I look lustfully on women, but I, I don't like to think of it in terms of adultery. Well, too bad. Too bad it is, right? Right? It, it's a darkness in our heart, and when you search and you ask the Lord to show you, he will search your heart and point out your need for, for change. And you know, the, the first part is confession. The next part is repentance. Lord, I don't want to be like this anymore. You ever been really just sick of yourself? 
You ever thought, boy, if I lived with me, I'd kick me out, you know? That's a, how's that song goes? So long, so long self. That's, that's pretty brilliant to talk about what I'm saying here. But, um, but you ever just been sick of yourself and say, I, I'm so tired of the way I'm acting. I'm so tired of my lousy attitude. I'm so tired of always having problems of flashes of anger or, or struggling with lust. Have you ever been there? Listen, feel that frustration. Feel that, 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 that lack of, of growth in your life and, and let it hang on you a little bit and then Bring it to the Lord Jesus Christ and say, you knew I was like this. And you've provided a way for me to grow. You've provided a way. You've made a way to change my heart. You said you would write your law on my mind and my heart. You would change the principles by which my mind thinks. You would change my desires so that I wouldn't want to do what you want me to do. So, Lord God, if there's a way that this is going to happen, you've got to make a change in me. You said you would do it. Now, Lord, bring about change in my life. Can, you t- can I tell you? Uh, Jesse, how's it go? How do you sign your emails? Strength is weakness. Repentance is success. Do I have that right? It's brilliant, beautiful. Where did you get that? Did you make, make that up yourself? Uh-uh. Oh, that's, that's, that's worthy of a hand. It is sheer brilliance. He's like, oh, don't, don't, sto- don't stoke my pride. Yeah, uh, I know. It's, it is sheer brilliance. Repentance, really, repentance is success. Repentance in your growth as a believer. Listen, your growth as a believer is not successful by, wow, I haven't lusted for seven whole days. Well, great. Well, tomorrow you're probably going to. Right? I haven't been angry or fearful for, for like six hours. Well, well, hour seven is yours. I don't know why it's sixes and sevens this morning. But, um, but you're going to. Success is realizing the depth of your sin and coming to the Lord God and saying, I surrender. This problem I have with lust, this problem I have with anger, this problem I have with fear, this problem I have with pride, I need you to replace. I need you to replace my fear with faith. I need you to replace my pride with humility. I need you to replace my lust with holiness and pure thought, right? And it's going to the Lord over and over again and surrendering and laying it down before him. You know, and you know, God is so gracious, isn't he? When you came to him, did he come up with this list of men and says, all these things have to change? No, in his grace, usually he picks up one at a time and he'll say, bring that to me. That is broken in you, but I've made a way to change your heart. Amen? And as we surrender those broken parts of us, those broken parts of our lives, those broken priorities, those broken sinful thoughts that we have, he has in place for us, what? Beauty for ashes. kind of how that goes, isn't it? Something more glorious than we ever imagined. And you know, I'm confident about this. He will, if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, his Holy Spirit is at work in you. And he's calling you into conviction and confession for the purpose that you might lay down something broken and the Lord God might come in through the Lord Jesus Christ and give you something better. To replace fear with faith. To replace humility for pride. Amen? Listen, this is the great secret of sanctification. It's not by following rules. It's not by beating yourself up when you sin. It's not because, listen, when you sin and you want to go far away from God as though it were up to you to punish yourself. Listen, the punishment has been made. It was carried out on Jesus Christ on his back, on his hands and his feet. There is no punishment left for you. Amen? What is left for us is what? Grace and mercy. 
And he says, yeah, you come on down. You, you, you come on down and you bring me the broken parts of your life. But listen, I, I got to tell you, folks, you've got to be serious. And we all have to be serious about our own holiness. We got to be serious about our spiritual growth. We can't ignore the problem of lust and say, oh, it's just the way I am. No, no, it's broken and it needs to be dealt with. And the Lord Jesus Christ did not die for you to continue with that problem. He has a better future for you if you will deal with it with him. Amen? Did I throw in enough prepositions for you there? All right. If you will let him, he will give you something greater than what you have today. Amen? He has for us a greater future than we ever imagined for ourselves, greater success in walking with him, greater obedience than we ever thought. And it happens by change of our hearts, and he's made the way. Thank God. Amen? Amen. I tell you, um, let's, uh, let's, uh, let's pray for a moment. I want to give you just an opportunity to respond. You don't have to come forward, but just this morning, um, I want to give you the opportunity to, to, to respond this morning. So, Carl, you got something to play for us there. Thank you. Heavenly Father, um, as we come to you this morning, Lord, this is a problem we all have. We can't discipline ourselves out of sin. We've tried it. We've tried to do better. We've been frustrated with ourselves. We, we've beat ourselves up. We've, we've hidden ourselves from you uh, at times in guilt and in shame. But, Lord God, you, that's not your desire. Your desire is that when we come and we discover sin or when you reveal it to us, Lord, when we, when you, when we ask you to search our hearts, your desire is that we would bring that to you and repent of it, that we would lay it before you, before your throne, and ask you, as our Lord God and our Savior to replace it with something better. So, Lord, do what you said you would do. And, Lord, we trust you to do that. We've seen you do it over and over again. But, Lord, write your laws on our minds. Let it be part of our own desire. Write it on our hearts. Let it give us great joy and great delight, Lord God, we pray. Uh, Write it on our hearts, Lord God, that following you is something that we want to do, that taking up your priorities is something that we want for ourselves. Take the broken parts, Lord, the broken pieces, Lord, and stitch us together. Fix us, Lord God, we pray. Bring about change, Lord God, in our lives, in our minds, in our hearts. Lord, we need it. We need you. We need your sanctification. We need your cleansing and your holiness. And, Lord God, we need your restoration. Father, be our God. We want to be your people. Be our God. Dwell in our midst, Lord God, we pray. Be our God that we may follow you better. Change our hearts, Lord God, we pray. Thank you for the hope that you've given us, Lord God, of change. Thank you for the hope that we don't have to just be stuck in our spiritual walk, Lord God, but you've made a way for us to continue and to have success with you. So, Father, we thank you. We ask for your presence this morning. It's in Jesus' great name we pray. Amen. One last thing. This is a slow, painful process. Amen. All right. You've got to offer and you've got to repent. You know, I learned once about humility, and then I learned again about humility. And then later on, I learned a little bit more about humility, and it usually came through painful revelation of pride. You know what I'm saying? It's a painful, long, painful, horrible process, but God has made a way. He will have success in our lives. There will be growth. We will become a greater reflection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? And he'll see to it. Amen. Greater repentance, greater surrender, greater seriousness about your sin. Don't just be satisfied with, yeah, I've got this little external problem. No. We have a heart problem. The Lord will help you search that out, and he'll give you something greater. Amen? Amen. All right. Let's see. Katie, I have something for you. Would you mind coming up for just a moment here? This Thank you very much. All right. Lord bless you guys. I appreciate you being here. We have just a little impromptu thing this morning. Katie, um, I have someone who'd like to say something to you this morning. Anyone?
Oh, yes, I think Stephen wanted to say a little <laughs> something this morning. 